Remember when you loved what you did for a living and you got excited talking about it? The Portfolio Career Podcast is here to help. Help you find that next project, next idea, or next friend. Host David Nabinsky will interview those that have optimized their careers for growth, resilience, and ultimately happiness. Tune in and let's have some fun. Hey friend, welcome to another episode of Portfolio Career Podcast with Johnny Goldstein. Johnny is a founder of Visualize Good. Johnny has built his portfolio career around imagery and drawing. So Johnny uh, gets hired by all different types of clients, um, conferences, large corporations, and he takes meetings and conversations and these words and puts them into imagery, um, puts them in large murals, and Johnny has built a, an incredible business from this. Johnny's also a teacher and event speaker, soon will be a podcaster. Also, Johnny is uh, through a personal development hack, um, Johnny has is becoming a creativity coach. So tune into this episode to listen more about that. Um, and as always, let me know what you think. Check one, check two. <laughs> cool. Yep. Well, welcome to a Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinsky, is here with Johnny Goldstein. Great to be here. So I know that you, you, you founded a beer club and... <laughs> You know, usually when you go into a pub, you meet somebody new and people say, what do you do? How do you typically introduce yourself, Johnny? Yeah. So first, uh, let me just say about the club. It's specifically, it's a club for dads. I'm a dad and I live in a neighborhood with a lot of kids, a lot of families. And I thought this would be a good way to just get a little social connectivity where I live (laughs) to make it really easy for myself doing something I enjoy, which is, you know, going to a bar, hanging out, having a few beers. When someone asks me what I do, I usually show them a picture of what I do because what I do is visual okay, and it's not extremely common. So it's, it's really helpful to show them a picture. So I go, oh, hang on just a second. I tap my phone, I go to my website and then I... I show them a picture of what I do. And what I do is something called graphic recording. Uh, some people might call it graphic facilitation. And what that is, is I help people have better, more productive, more interesting meetings by being there, listening to what everyone's talking about. And while they're talking about it, I'm drawing pictures and diagrams that summarize what they're talking about. So it's like large scale illustrated notes that summarize the ideas that are bouncing around that meeting. So then people go, oh yeah, I was at a conference where someone was doing that. You do that, that's so cool. Or they're like, what, really? (laughs) (laughs) So those are the two reactions I get. And sometimes people go, oh, you mean like those videos on YouTube where someone's explaining something and a hand is drawing? And I'm like, yeah, kind of like that. But I'm doing that like with people while they're having their Mm -hmm. meeting. So if you can find a shorter (laughs) way for me to explain it to people, I'm all ears. But so that's what I do. And my website's visualizegood.co. And, you know, for people who are confused, go take a look. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's very helpful. And how did you get started with that? I already kind of was doing it on in different contexts. If I was working with people on a project, I'd be like, hey, can I whiteboard this? And I always like to draw. And uh, so I, 
I kind of did it in that capacity. And when I took notes, they were usually in a very visual kind of illustrated way. So I was kind of primed for this once I actually saw it in action. And I was at a conference called South by Southwest Interactive Mm -hmm. a long time ago now, like 2008. And I saw someone doing this during a big talk and they had kind of a four foot by eight foot big white, you know, piece of foam board or something on some easels. And they were... You know, they were doing this and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so I, um, I was living in Philly at the time. And if you've never spent much time in Philly or been to Philly, it's one of America's open secrets. It's this giant city that most people don't know anything about. And there's actually a lot going on there. So I was living in Philly and there was a lot going on in 2008 and there was really interesting co-working movement and a lot of tech stuff and there's a lot of universities in Philly there's all kinds of stuff going on there so I would go to kind of community events for sort of communities of interest and I would do this graphic recording these large-scale visual notes for free because they were no one was paying anything for these events and it was just a community thing so I started doing it I built up a portfolio and at the same time early on I went to a conference of people that do this kind of work. There's enough people that do it that there's an annual conference. So that got me even more excited and also kind of introduced me to people. Kind of parallel to this, while I was living in Philly, I helped start a group about visual thinking. And a few groups popped up around the country. And so I was... I met some people here in New York who are doing graphic recording. They have a company called Image Think. And I saw them doing it. And it, anyway, people saw me at these community events and some of them were from big companies. And they were like, hey, we're having our global, you know, HR meeting where people are flying Mm -hmm. in from around the world. And can you, you know, do graphic recording at our meeting? And suddenly I was professional, you know, (laughs) I kind of knew what the going rate was because I had been talking to people and stuff. And I just, you know, I made a website for myself and started doing it. And this is the thing that I've been doing really longer than anything professionally in my life because I've really hopped around. And yeah. how can we talk about some of those hops? And Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And even within this, I've had a lot of variety. And one of the reasons I like it is there's a lot of variety. So yeah, the hops, where do you want to start? I'd say let's start on a couple ones that had been very material or transformative to you. Yeah. Okay. So first, I I had kind of interesting just upbringing. Grew up in Eugene, Oregon. It's a university town, Western Oregon, where all the people live on that side of the state. But it's it's not a real big city, but there's a university there. My dad was a professor, and every couple, not every couple years, but every like five years or so, we'd go live in another country for a year. So I got exposed to really different stuff from a pretty young age. Like we lived in England for a couple of years. And when I was in high school, we lived in this totally out of the way place called Papua New Guinea, which is this country over by Indonesia and Australia mm-hmm. where people wear leaves and shoot bows and arrows at each other and stuff. So, so anyway, I already, you know, growing up, I kind of had my mind blown by some of these things. Okay. Then, um, you know, I went to college. I ended up majoring in English because I, I liked writing and it really let me do a lot of other things because, frankly, it wasn't that hard 
<laughs> I was like, I knew how to write. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't hard mm-hmm. for me. You know, I did like a comic in the college newspaper and I played in a band and I was like in a Shakespeare production and just did a bunch of stuff. I was in junior year, I was in Israel, so a lot of different things. Then um, I got out of college and it was, it was right after the first Gulf War and the, there was a big recession mm-hmm. and work was not plentiful. But I went to college in Colorado, it was kind of outdoorsy. And I had a friend who was uh, had been a raft guide for a couple summers at a place in Colorado. And I was like, hey, how do I do that? And he's like, oh, they have a trainee program and they'll show you everything and you can do that. So I was a raft guide for a couple of seasons in Colorado and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun in a lot of ways for my temperament. So one is get to meet a lot of people which mm-hmm. I really enjoy and my current job is like that too because if I'm graphic recording at a meeting I'm in there I'm with these people mm-hmm. it's really intense and then I'm on to the next one so that's kind of carried over the other thing it's a really you're in charge and so as a kid just out of college I know what I'm doing in the boat and these people who I normally would have no influence over it was fun for a 21 year old kid to to have some responsibility and some authority it's also just really tangible learning either your boat's flipping over in this rapid or it isn't and there was a lot of room for creativity within it in terms of you could tell stories, you could make stuff up, you could play the harmonica to entertain people. If people spoke different languages, you could, you know, I spoke Spanish, I kind of spoke Hebrew. Sometimes I'd have people from, it was neat. And I learned some unexpected things, I think, is just how kind of alive a river is mm. it's different every day because if it rained the night before and it a certain creek ran into the river the river would be white because mm. like it was chalk dust or something or and there's also just a real beauty in just floating on a river you know and it's that seems to be very similar to the way like a meeting is right some people kind get of, together kind of and you're at the you're the facilitator mm-hmm. you have authority you have the opportunity to mm-hmm. be creative mm-hmm. to respond to adapt mm-hmm. and sometimes things go horribly wrong <laughs> <laughs> but nobody <laughs> dies hopefully so <laughs> i was talking about the meeting <laughs> but that too that too <laughs> I think it was also formative in that after a while, I'm like, okay, there's only so far I can go with it. The pay is low. You have to be in these remote rural locations and it's not a year round job. And there's probably not a big, you know, future in this for me. Uh, So then I guess another job that I had that was really formative and interesting for me was actually I had a job in Israel for a year. I was mm-hmm. a counselor of the study abroad program. And then I came back and I didn't really know what I was going to do. Like a lot of people kind of mid twenties, like, what am I doing? You know, and my life had been even more random because it was like raft guide counselor in Israel. And then I'm like, and I want to be sort of near where I grew up. I had friends in Seattle, you know, one of these friends was like in a shared house and they had someone moving out and like, move in. So I did that. And I, you know, I tempt kind of random stuff. 
And then I, I had a neighbor who worked for a homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of intriguing to me to be able to see what that world is like for the kind of people that use the services at that shelter. And a lot of artists and musicians work there, which I was also mm-hmm. interested in. And so I, I was like an on-call, they called me a counselor, but I wasn't, a, you know, I have no master's degree in counseling or anything. I was just a staff person. But it was really, really interesting because you talk to the people that were in there and it was like a, a service center. So during the daytime, people could come in and, you know, see a nurse or see a counselor or just have a cup of coffee and just be off the streets and then at night, people slept there. So, you know, just meeting the, the other staff people was very interesting. Real, very diverse staff. And then also the, the clients were very interesting. I think it was actually artistically important for me. Because I met some people. There was this really interesting band that, like, mm-hmm. half the band worked there. And there's another guy's a novelist. And I was really interested in kind of putting myself out there as an artist. And I ended up doing a comic about it was kind of a documentary comic about the shelter Mm -hmm. and there were some other stories in it too and that kind of that's the thing before this interview talk started we were talking about little kind of movements Mm -hmm. you know like they're back in the 70s there's like cb radio and kids are like breaker breaker and they're all (laughs) just chucking that was like this wave that came to people's awareness or the 80s is the pcs or the 90s you know it's the internet the 2000s blogging and and then you know podcasting and various other things you know uh, crypto now whatever so in the mid 90s it was zines so people had access to desktop publishing and xerox machines and there was a self-publishing boom which included all kinds of little magazines about the kind of thing someone would have a random little weird niche website about today but this is like pre-web just pre-web 94 you know so you go into like a comic store or even bookstores and they'd have like these hundreds or tens dozens of these little zines about just weird stuff like all kinds of you know thrift store shopping or like little comics like i was doing okay this is a very low bar to entry and then i uh you know, got it in some stores in Seattle where I was living and got some like reviews and the weekly, you know, alternative weekly and stuff like that. And it was cool. And it was, I even got like some fan mail and like um, other zine people started corresponding with me and I'd like publish in there that stuff. So that kind of, I did that while I was working at the shelter and it was the basis of, of that first, first little comic I did. And so I think it was kind of uh, artistic confidence you know building block for Mm -hmm. me or something being there and also it was like it's as urban as seattle gets it was like downtown seattle working with folks who didn't have a place to spend the night you know Mm -hmm. and uh, who had all kinds of problems and so once i dealt with that i'm like okay i can move to new york city now (laughs) (laughs) so i hadn't um i grew up visiting new york as a as a a kid because my uncle lives here my dad's brother so i'd seen it but i the thought of moving and i was fascinated but the thought of moving here kind of freaked me out so after that shelter thing i'm like okay mm. i'm done with this town let's and then you mentioned yeah. this one part about seeing with the rafting there was yeah. only so much you could do there mm-hmm. so with the graphic storytelling mm-hmm. how have you been able to can keep that going in the digital world that we live in and how you yeah. know how have you been able to keep keep believing in that and mm. and and 
Yeah, that, huh, good question. Well, one thing is, you know, I get hired by different groups of people. So maybe it's a conference about innovation in the pharmaceutical industry, or maybe it's a conference about uh, socially responsible investing, or maybe it's a small meeting some big companies having with some of their big wigs about a particular function in the company. So they're all different, you know? And so I'm learning different things every time. Like with the river, you know, after a while, I think I'd keep learning, yeah. you know, the same things. But these, it's it's new stuff and it's, well, it's different stuff depending on the industry sector and the type of meeting. And it's also society and technology and the issues they're facing keep changing. So I think there's more variety in that stream of, human culture and industry than there is in water going finding the path of least mm-hmm. resistance and uh so that's that's one thing another thing is i there are different types of things i've done like i i do the graphic recording at meetings but i've also done some animated movies like i did something for a united nations agency that wanted to you know people have heard of unicef or they've heard of UN peacekeeping, but they haven't necessarily heard of all these many agencies. So this was one called uh, the International Fund for Agricultural Development, IFAD, and they kind of just wanted to get their brand out there. And I basically, I did the visual part of that, uh, getting that animation done. Like I storyboarded it and I, you know, hired the editor and but so it's a little using kind of different part of my brain to work in that context. Another thing I do is I, I'm not currently doing it, but I recently taught at NYU. I taught visual thinking classes there and at a university in Philadelphia called the University of the Arts. And it's like using visual thinking for problem definition and for project planning and solution, you know, finding. So I, that kind of interactive work is really fun for me. Mm-hmm. And actually what I'm on the brink of doing, and uh, maybe by the time you start publishing these podcasts that that you're recording now, uh, maybe I'll start publishing a podcast that I'm in the early stages of doing. And, and it's about the creative process and interviewing working creative people, mostly artists, but also some other getting a little bit outside of that too. And they could be visual, performing, literary you know, cinema. And are you thinking yeah. about the podcast as a w- and and mm-hmm. as a way to continue to learn new skills, meet new people, mm-hmm. pro- provide it's more a, stimulation? And it's a combination of things. So first, I'm just very interested in creativity, and actually, I think I like interviewing people, and I like having conversations with people. So I think it's a good creative outlet for myself. So that's one thing. Another thing is, yeah, I'm really interested in learning from different people. Mm. Another thing is, you know, it's a it's a decent overlap with what I'm already doing. And kind of what I'm doing at meetings is I'm helping them be more creative by adding that visual element. We're really kind of collaborating on, on something creative. So I think there's some some crossover there. And then something I'm I'm sort of just dipping my toe into is doing a little like creativity coaching 
for people who who need a little bit of support in getting moving on their creative projects. And so I you know I think that's a good that's a good you know that's a good match for mm-hmm. the for the content of the, the podcast and I'll be learning stuff that I can help I can use to apply to other people's situations. So one thing that I also got really interested in are you um there's a Facebook group that's kind of New York centric group that's personal development nerds yeah. right yeah. yeah so so you know Nate the guy who introduced you to me turned me on to that and through that I learned about the have you heard of the tiny habits mm-hmm. method right uh, for people who don't know there's a psychologist at Stanford BJ Fogg who's really interested in in behavior and creating new behaviors and his students have gone on to like found Instagram and all these very addictive uh, products by you know tapping into this understanding of behavior how to create behaviors that people want to do over and over so in doing this he he realized I've stumbled upon a way for people to create new habits and he called it the tiny habits method and it's like you just do very li- small you start with very small steps and you have a very clear trigger to trigger doing that new behavior and then you immediately give yourself a a mental reward like a pat on the back so that in it in essence that's how it works so i was like that would be very powerful if i could just create new behaviors at will for myself because you know like everybody i struggle with certain things and i should do this or that so i got certified as a tiny habits coach Hmm. mostly for myself so i could just apply this to myself so i did do that and i'm about to have my first client that I'm going to do this creativity coaching with, but I'm going to apply the tiny habits methodology to it. And that starts in a couple weeks. And so anyway, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's where I'm at with that. And I'm just doing it in tiny habits style. I'm just starting with one person and I'll see how it goes and then maybe add more people. And obviously the podcast would be a great, I hope would be a good feeder for that. Mm -hmm. And it's an, also it's a nice way, like one thing about a podcast that's great is it's a real, it gives people a window into you, right? If someone's listening to this podcast now, they'd have some, I'm talking a lot, but they'd have some idea of you too, right? You're like, obviously a good listener. You're curious. You're like easygoing, easy to talk to, whatever, you know? And for some people might be really like, oh, I want to do more things with this guy. Or some people might be like, ah, I want a more type A Howard Stern nut job guy you know (laughs) but so people will be able to you know through listening to the podcast i do they'll be able to go oh this is a guy i really resonate with or Mm -hmm. they'll be like "Eh, hmm, maybe not you know Mm -hmm. and that's good that saves a lot of uh energy up front Mm -hmm. for everybody i'm excited about this thing and i'm excited about thinking about how it does relate to what i'm doing with the graphic recording Mm -hmm. and bringing um as i'm thinking about this there's even more things so like Another thing I do, you know, graphic recording is awesome. I love it when I'm in a meeting and someone else is doing it, which occasionally hmm. I'm in that situation. I'm like, oh, wow, this really does work. <laughs> <laughs> you forget. And, um, so, you know, it's just like your job. But then um, something I also do if clients are interested is I get the people at the meeting drawing. So I give a quick, like, drawing lesson. You know, anyone could draw anything with these three simple shapes and a couple of marks and combine them, and you can communicate visually that way. So I get people drawing about, like, what the meeting's about or what the problem is or what their ideal vision of, you know, how things would be, you know, and 
three years if they did all the right things or whatever. And then they share that with each other. Sometimes we even do like a little pop-up gallery of their drawings. So it's kind of, it's really, you know, infusing the meeting with Mm -hmm. some of this kind of creativity. So and I'm interested in going more that direction. And I still am super psyched about doing the graphic recording, but getting the the people at the meeting creatively engaged Mm -hmm. themselves. It's got to be an interesting feeling to go into a meeting and see, you know, <laughs> you respect it and you're learning from it too. Sure. Another thing that I, you know, as a former teacher and you have a daughter and education, I think is evolving, you know, what, how are you thinking about education and development, professional development for your daughter? That's a great question. Well, she, she's very lucky with her mom. Uh, her mom is a science education expert who basically goes into school systems and helps them develop better science teaching, you know, curriculum and practices. So, you know, she has a lot of influence on the household. For me, I think, you know, we, first of all, she's going to a school that we liked and we kind of picked out and she's getting a lot out of that school. Uh, It's a public school, but it's kind of open to kids from all over New York City. And we found out about it and got her in there and she's loving it. So that's one thing is to just get her in an environment where she's actually happy to go and she feels like she's learning and people are paying attention to what she says. So that has been great. A kind of happy accident is she was in a class last year that it's it's like a mixed class where they have kids with learning differences in there. With And so because of that, they had an extra teacher who was great and the class was a little smaller and Josie had to learn how to deal with all these different personality types with the kids, you know, who are maybe they're a little on the spectrum or they have some behavior challenges or whatever. And so I think that's great for all the kids and including my daughter. So that was just luck for myself. You know, you can see we're sitting at my dining room table and I put up this big metal sheet. It's a piece of sheet metal on the wall that's a magnet board. So we can just easily put up anything that's on a piece of paper. So a lot of times we draw together for fun, but also for like figuring things out. Mm. Like her birthday party was coming up and she wanted it to be a big production. She's like, let me draw what I want it to look like. You know what I mean? So we draw together. What other stuff do we do with Joe's? I mean... What kind I don't of, know. In a lot of ways, we're lucky. She will learn to read very quickly and easily. And people mm-hmm. are like, oh, how do you do that? And we're like, well, we have a lot of books around. We like read books to her. But there's nothing, you know, special that we're doing, really. Yeah. Do you mentioned earlier on how you got started with the graphic uh, visual storytelling was doing some of the work for free. Yeah. Is that is that some advice that you uh, give to other people often? Yeah. Some uh, Sometimes people find out about me through however, through a friend or through my website or I don't know how, LinkedIn. And they're like, hey, I'm interested in this field and, you know, how do I get started? And a lot of times that's advice I give people. I'm like, look, there's a lot of ways to learn. You can take a workshop. You can, uh, there are books about graphic recording. There's this conference you can go to. So there's a lot of there's websites, you know, so there's, so there's a lot of ways to do it. But at some point, you're going to actually have to do it for real in front of people. And it seems kind of insane for me to, how are you going to get people to pay you to do it until you've done it? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you wouldn't even have a portfolio. And even if you did, you sort of did it all in your living room or whatever, listening to TED Talks and drawing these things. How do you know how it would go with other people? So you have to do it with other people. And the way to do it is, you know, if you already have a job, mm-hmm. start doing it at your job, just in meetings and stuff. Get Just tell people, hey, I, I'm learning this new thing and blah, 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 and, and do that. So that's a great way to do it. Another great way to do it is like find a job with a company that does this stuff. There are a few companies like this company, ImageThink in Brooklyn. But does that... But if you're in any case, just to get the hours, the practice, Mm -hmm. yeah, do it. And, And I wouldn't do it for... I would do it like for community events. You know, do it for like, there's a lot going on in local politics now. If you're sympathetic to a candidate and they're having like a little town hall meeting or something, you know, do it there. Or if there's some, there's all these meetup groups, right? So say you're like a UX designer and there's a UX meetup with like a speaker. Ask the organizer, hey, can I do this? Very few people are going to say no. And you're not really, if it's an event where there's a lot of, money involved like people are paying a lot of money to be part of it or it's a company's event that Mm -hmm. they are internal event or whatever i just uh, you know i i think it's appropriate to ask to be paid so they respect the work that's what i started charging is like when xyz megacorp was like hey we're doing this thing can you do it and i was like oh sure i'll send you a proposal Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and be professional and say what you're right. You know what I mean? So like, but I, I feel great about having done it at these free events because it's also, it's a way to get business, right? That's how I got my clients. So that's, and I still do general... pro, I still do pro bono stuff mm-hmm. sometimes, but I, I don't do it for, I don't do it for, um, Fortune Sachs. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that that same type of advice, uh, a tactic uh-huh. applies for other fields? In terms of trying to you I mean, know, start small, small with the projects, start adding value. It, yeah, I think it could. I think you have to be careful. Like, it's very easy. The good thing about when people pay you, aside from getting paid, is they value what you do. If they're not paying you, then they have a lot of other things to worry about, and they just may not give you much attention, you know? Mm. On the other hand, if it's the right situation and they're smart and they're like, we'll get more out of this person if we are actually involved with them and give them feedback and actually have them doing stuff that's useful for us and so on and so forth, I think it can be good. I think that that can be okay, but you have to really do your due diligence and make sure you set some boundaries for yourself in terms of time and energy and expectations and and what you're going to get out of it you know, as well as them. So I think it it can be okay, but it's very easy to say yes (laughs) to things. And then when you're in them, you know, think about what is it going to be like a month in and you're not getting paid and you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Mm. So, you know, it's a, it's a balance. Yeah. Yet another thing is do something really like, like something I'm going to start doing because I think I've had good luck with it in the past is I'm just going to give a lot of free presentations and talks, maybe little activities for whoever wants me in New York, basically, you know, if it's a, if it's a company or organization. So I was put it out in my network. Hey, I want to do a bunch of public speaking. I want to talk about, you know, visual thinking for productivity or for better meetings or whatever. Mm. If anyone's interested, get in touch and, you know, come and do a lunchtime thing or 
morning thing or whatever and come in, do something for like 45 minutes and then that's it. And what I'm getting out of it is they're seeing what I do and they might be like, oh, we want you for our corporate retreat Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm not giving so much that I feel bad about it. And they're getting, hopefully getting something that they find useful. And so it's kind of like, okay, do something for someone, but do something that, you know, that benefits you as well as them. And that isn't a huge investment. Because I've seen, I was, the last like regular job that I had was, I was in DC. Uh, my wife was going to grad school there. I worked for a organization, like DC's like, the capital of uh, not just the U.S., but it's because it's the capital, it's like the National Association of this, the National Association of that. So there's all these associations, National Association of Nuts and Bolts Manufacturers. So Mm -hmm. I was like working for one of these associations and uh, they actually had a great mission. And, you know, there are a lot of good things about the organization, but there was a woman who was there who was an older lady, maybe just getting back into the workforce or something. And she was putting in a lot of time for free to for kind of a, I don't know, resume builder, some references. I don't know what she was hoping to get out of it mm. exactly. And nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared about what she was doing. She was kind of a chore. Someone's like, it was a favor. She knew someone who was a board member or something. So she got in there, but she spent a lot of time and energy doing something that people did not value. And she felt terrible at the end. And it was so, that's a cautionary tale. Mm, yeah. Just like, is there anything else you'd like to talk about within your portfolio? Mm. Anything that's coming up that you'd like to also uh, talk about? Any other advice? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah. Hmm. Well, there's a few things. One is something that I and a lot of people, I think, are struggling with, and that is the addictive nature of our uh, internet-connected devices, mm. <laughs> particularly our phones. And podcasts are part of this ecosystem, right? It's so easy to find an interesting podcast and listen to it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And more power to whoever's listening to this. Good job. (laughs) But it can get in the way of the rest of your life. You know, it's multitasking is a, is a myth. There's no efficient multitasking. So if you really want to get things done that are important, you know, how to do that without, you know, I'm also, I'm very interested in the political situation at the moment. It's very interesting to just go into CNN.com and see what the latest insane thing that happened is, right? And you, you feel like you're doing something good, like, oh, I'm staying informed, but it's could be a real life sucker. So that's something I'm thinking about and thinking about how to apply the, the habit formation thing mm. that I, that I'm, that I've learned to that. And I encourage people to even, you know, an amazing thing to do is leave your phone at home. Mm. So great. Even just to start really small, just before you came, I did that. I went to the grocery store without my phone. That gets you into that. Oh, I don't have my phone. It's okay. And and it's all right. It's not here. And I'm having some interesting thoughts. So that's something I'm very interested in, how to help myself and, and maybe other people be in the real world a little bit more as far as other stuff i mean my podcast it's uh, i've registered the domain there's no website yet but it's creativityfreak.com so check that out in uh i would say like mid-autumn to be realistic and uh i'm a visualizedgood.co and follow your interests i would say like it's very whatever you're interested in there are other people interested in it find those people See if you can actually be with them in real life. You know, mm. there's a meetup for everything. Like, I think that's great advice. There's, uh, if you're interested in something, 
check it out and take it, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to say you want to write a novel. You don't have to be like, I'm going to write a novel. Or like, go take a class. Or there's great writing classes in New York in a lot of places. Take, just like dip your toe in the water, check it out and try to maintain your whole life a little bit, you know. Even that's something I really got out of. Got out of, I don't know if you ever listened to Mark Marin podcast. He's a very successful at this point comedian who struggled a lot in his life, but you know he has a lot of self realization as part of his shtick. But some of it is is real, I think, and he gets a lot of satisfaction about when things go well for him professionally or creatively. But he's also like that is not actual life. Like that's one part of life, but mm. like. Do I have a girlfriend? Do I have a house over my head? Am I going on vacation occasionally? Am I going outside? You know, stuff like that. Like little everyday things are important and that you have a lot of control over however your novel is going or not going. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I really appreciate you taking the time to interview Absolutely, me. Johnny. This was a blast. Really. Okay. Yeah. Excited for all the main uh, projects you're working on and really appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Thanks.